Well, good morning, Sun Valley Church. Welcome back to the Voice of the Valley. Are we actually recording now? This is actually happening. Seriously, I'm, though? Yeah. Okay. We're recording. This is Jeremy Pinch. the last time. <laughs> Do you, you want me to bring up what, me. What, what we were just I talking really about? I really don't. Okay. No. That All was right. a wisdom decision. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're back on the on the podcast. This is this is Jeremy, this, and uh, we have Pastor Rick across the table. Well, and Pastor Jeremy. He's sitting um, weirdly close a, to me right now. Well, perpendic- is it perpendicular? It's not parallel, at, so I think I'm perpendicular to yeah. you. We're kind of at an angle from each 90 other. degrees. Our knees are almost touching. I don't think people want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. I know. <laughs> uh, well, How are you doing? I'm good, man. I'm really good, actually. Um, breathing in that smoke. Breathing in that smoke. Fresh lungfuls of... Today's, today's Tuesday. Uh, last night, uh, the Seattle Seahawks beat... Uh, the Denver Broncos, which it, you know this clearly because clearly. Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson, who is who's on the Bron- who who defected to the Broncos, defected, yeah, defected. They lost last night. The Broncos did, yeah, and it was um, you he know, defected, I, and the and the Seahawks per- perfected. Yeah, you know, I I don't I don't I uh, you know I don't anticipate games like I'm I'm yeah excited for next Sunday kind of thing. But this one, but felt I'll personal. watch the games. But this one felt personal. But this one felt personal. Yeah. So um, I was I was I was pretty uh, amped up and excited and yeah. So today and it paid day. off. It paid, <laughs> it paid off. Um, yeah. You know, it's always good. You know, it's like at the end of um, Galatians, it's always good to be made much of for a good purpose. Mm-hmm. I'm taking that so out of context, <laughs> but it's good to be amped for a good purpose. Lincoln and Cambria's birthday was on Saturday. And, oh, yeah. Uh, my daughter's was too, by the way. So. Happy birthday to your daughter. Yeah, and to your kids. Is it Mil- well. Millie? Penelope. Penelope. Yeah, that one. Anyways, go so, ahead. So, well, Lincoln got a... Uh, my my parents were in town, and one of the things they got him was a blow-up football player with a net where his hands are so that you can practice oh, nice. your throws. Sweet. Yeah, super sweet. And so, uh, you know... We got that blown up and fill. We had, you know, you have to fill it with something heavy on the bottom, water or, or sand. Neither of which I want to accidentally spill open in my house. So we went with. Oh, it's in your house. Went with. Oh, it's upstairs in my house. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, And you can tackle him, and he he bounces back up if you have this heavy stuff on the bottom. And so uh, my dad and I filled it with rice, and then I named him Jerry Rice. Nice. Yeah. So there's a lot of people nice. tackling Jerry Rice in my house. Oh, sweet. Sweet, including you. I have, I may have. <laughs> I may have. Uh, so all together, it was a good weekend. Good weekend. Yeah. Your parents were in town. Mm-hmm. It's always good to see them when yeah. they're here. Yeah. Well, good, man. I'm glad you're doing well. Thanks. Likewise. Yeah. Uh, but people are listening and to this podcast. Not. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no. no and I was just wondering how you're doing with the news of... Um, the queen. That was that was troubling. troubling. I mean, you did not see it coming. I did not see it coming. Due to age. Um, no, Rick and I are avid watchers of the Crown series on Netflix. Oh, we both are. Well, that's not together. That's out there now. Not together, but we we both watch the Crown season, which is is incredible. I'm just going to put that out there. Not all episodes. There's, there's been there's two one or two that we've not watched. Yeah, due to the fact that. But besides You're those two good. episodes, 
absolutely incredible. It is an interesting show. They really... Yeah. In, I, I kind of wonder what it's like for them as the royal family to watch. Like, assuming they watch it. Yeah. Because if someone made a multi-season show about your life, <laughs> would, I would you watch, watch it? it? Oh, yeah. 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 And I'd be like, why is... You know, what's Tom Cruise doing portraying me like that? Yeah. Yeah. Mine would probably be um, Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, I can see it. We have the same build. The same build uh, since you've been um, going to the Y. Same same accent. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> but it really is the crazy thing about it, and this is not a random discussion. This It's the segue, right? It's the segue. Because when you look at mm-hmm. the fact that most people in Britain have known one queen yep. their whole life, and now she's not there anymore mm-hmm. uh, some people would even say that that means that the monarchy is mutable it is mutable not immutable it's mutable very mutable what, well what do you mean by that well, <clears throat> well that's that's the qu- question that i'm going to be asking you um <laughs> obviously today we're, we're talking about the immutability of god uh, we got our banter out of the way and now we're getting into the serious stuff we're talking about the immutability of God. But before, before Rick, we get into that, that discussion, I want to, um, ask you about, um, these two words that are associated with the attributes of God. And I think they're important because, um, they're just important. So when we discuss the attributes of God or the perfections of God, we use terms like communicable and incommunicable. Okay. Communicable and incommunicable. Yeah. What what do we mean when we say those two words? What what does it mean when we talk about the communicable attributes of God or the incommunicable attributes of God? Um well, so there's different ways of looking at God in his um his nature or his perfections. And like we saw last week with the simplicity of God, we're not talking about God in parts. We're t- we're not talking about different parts of God. We're talking about aspects of who God is. And um, when we're looking at who God is, um, theologians have found it helpful for the sake of having productive discussions about what Scripture says about about God um, to consider His perfections. Um, sometimes, in terms of how do we, how can we, as those created in the image of God, reflect Him, and what are ways that we don't have the capacity to reflect him. Okay. So when we're talking about communicable attributes, and this is just a, just a touch of the way, whenever I hear the word communicable, I think, oh, disease, like, don't, oh, you know, back in the olden days, they say, oh, does he have something catching? <laughs> like, can I get this if I go around that guy? He's got the gnarly warts. And can, can I get gnarly warts if I shake his hand and, and I get some of it on me? And it's like, well, it's communicable. It's like you can catch it from someone mm-hmm. by being around them. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's incommunicable, like an incommunicable disease, um, people are saying, hey, yeah, this, like, you know, and this is awful, but like cancer, right? That's an incommunicable disease. You're not going to get it by being around someone who has it. Mm-hmm. Whereas um, uh, COVID... You can. Yeah. So now I only say that to give us a, a touch point for how we most often use those words. Yeah. The communicable attributes of God are attributes of God that we are created to reflect to one degree or another, mm-hmm. knowing that we're never going to reflect them fully. Sure. The love of God. We, we, we not only have the capacity as believers to, um, 
to share that attribute, but we're more, we're commanded to love one another, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a reflection of the love of God. God's knowledge. Um, we will never know perfectly as God knows um, in the sense of exhaustive knowledge. And yet we do have the capacity to know, to know truth, um, mercy, justice, kindness, wrath, anger, things, things that God exhibits perfectly and, and fully and in his holiness. Um, we, to some degree, can reflect those things. Those are communicable attributes, shareable attributes. However, there are attributes that we can't, we can't mm-hmm. participate in um, reflecting because it's not in our nature. It's mm-hmm. not in our capacity. It's something that only God has, such as eternity. Mm-hmm. We are finite beings. We can never, you know, share the eternity of God. Mm-hmm. Um, his, like the one we're going to talk about today, immutability. You know, I double M U T A B I L I T Y, immutability, um, which is God's unchangeableness. Mm-hmm. We can't, like, we are changing creatures. You know, actually, that's part of what it is to be human, right? We develop and change over time. God never does. Yeah. He's the same yesterday and today and forever. Yeah. So that's an incommunicable attribute. His omnipresence. We are ever only one place at one time. He is all places, always, mm-hmm. eternally. Um, since you know creation since there was a place to be <laughs> yeah, yeah. god is everywhere omniscience he knows everything anyways so that's what we mean really when we're talking about communicable and incommunicable and this is really what uh yahweh communicates i am that i am mm-hmm. it's who he is which another you know brings us back to the simplicity of god mm-hmm. so yeah no that's good so uh give us give us um the depths, mine those depths for us, Rick. Which on, ones? On the immutability of God. Oh. What is, I mean, we say that God's unchangeable. You know, we, we have passages in scripture that you're going to, you're going to discuss for us, read for us, um, possibly. Um, Where's your Bible? I, I didn't. Oh, I, I literally am the one reading today. I don't even have my, I, I don't even have my phone. Whoa. It's all on my I mean, head. I can understand. Oh, got it. <laughs> oh my got it. <laughs> um, that's not true. Um, mutability. It's as close to omniscience as yeah. a creature can get. <laughs> um, yeah, Rick, mind the depths of, of the immutability of God. Can't do it. How how's that for an easy answer? Well, that's yeah, you want that's, to a, that's your a question? John Schubert. That's a John Schubert no, response. No, I don't. No, don't accuse me. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I know what you're saying. N- yeah, I mean, we can say that God's unchangeable, but what are what are the implications of of what that means? Much. Good. Okay. Well, let's actually establish it from Scripture. Can God? Does God? ever change. Um, Psalm 102, 25 through 27, the psalmist gives a contrast um, between um, between something that seems like it doesn't change and it lasts forever, which would be like, I don't know, the earth mm-hmm. and God who actually does mm-hmm. never change and who does last forever, um, his eternity. So he says, of old, you laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will change them like a robe, and they will pass away. 
So even the things that are, seem to be the most stable and enduring things in creation, um, even they will wear out. But you are the same and your years have no end. So that's, you know, God's never changeableness. James 1.17 says that all, all gifts come down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variation or shadow mm-hmm. due to change. Our Father who gives good gifts never changes. And the implication is he will always give good gifts to his children. Mm-hmm. Um, he always blesses his children. He is faithful to them. He's promised to do so. He's never not done that mm-hmm. um, as long as he's had created, created people that he's redeemed. Uh, a famous one uh, comes from Numbers, and I'm kind of, this is right in the chapters that I'm currently studying, um, just in my own private worship time, um, the oracles of Balaam, which mm. you're just like, well, hold on, that guy's a false, like he's a he's a mercenary prophet, and yeah. he doesn't even care about Yahweh. Yeah. He's, And you're like, yeah, but this, the way that his oracles are framed, like God used even this wicked man to prophesy blessings. Mm-hmm. And in the context of one of those oracles, um, in Numbers 23, 19, it says, um, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? So even this um, pagan prophet, Balaam, uh, who is a mercenary just trying to, to, you know, to engage the spiritual world for money, um, he, even, he recognized that Yahweh is not like us. He doesn't change his mind. His purposes are established. Um, he can't lie. He mm-hmm. won't. So um, this really is related to his simplicity. Right. Um, there are no parts in him to increase or decrease. And when we talk about God in his perfection, what would a change in God entail? Either better or worse, right? Or a mm-hmm. shifting of some kind. Mm-hmm. Well, any increase in God, any change up, so to speak, what would that mean about who he is before? He is not all that who he says he is. Yeah, he's not perfect because you can't get, you can't, you can't make more perfect perfect. Right. Um, And if there was a decrease, that would mean that God would become imperfect Mm -hmm. or incomplete in some way. There'd be something less about him. Um. So it's it's impossible that God is not immutable. It's impossible that he's changeable. Yeah. Because right. he's holy. Right. And and so you 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 just mentioned that this this goes back to his simplicity. God's God's immutability is tied to his eternality. And it's 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 tied to his knowability, right? Because if God if God doesn't know a certain thing, Right, that, that that would mean that he would have to change in order to know that thing. Yeah. Right. And this is where open theism has has um this is where open theism is a, theism is a big issue, right? Because God God doesn't know the future. He's learning in time as events come to pass or whatever. Yeah. So God's always yeah, in open theism uh, which, which, which would... gained a lot of traction about 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, with guys like Greg Boyd and um they yeah, they taught that that they took Arminianism in a crazy direction. Mm-hmm. Um, they they taught that not only do we have free will, but God is so basically, if I understand it correctly, God is so committed to our free will um, that He is He does not even know what we're going to do. Right. So He is ever responding to us in real time. Right. 
And so the things we do can affect and change God. Right. Exactly. In, in his reactions. Exactly. Yeah. So that's a, yeah, that's that's a crazy thought and it's an untrue thought. Yeah. And how how un unassuring that is. Oh man. Like to to trust in a God who who is who isn't even sure about the future. <laughs> you know. Like that's a digression from where our but discussion it's related. is about to, But it's related, it's related. Yeah. yeah. So, Rick, if, if God is immutable, which means he's unchangeable, what do we do with the numerous passages that we find throughout the scriptures that say something along the lines that God repents from what he's going to do, or he turns away from his anger, or he re- rejects and then welcomes the, the Gentiles, and so on and so forth? It, this, it seems like these passages are talking about God actually changing his mind or changing his course of action. What, what do we do with passages like that? Well, do you have a, any specific ones in mind, like with your Bible there or your phone or or my head? If you're, or, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Just because yeah. you, I know you've been working on memorizing the internet. Well, so uh, I think I. Th- <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, um, wow, it's a heavy-handed keyboard. Type <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> no, so one one instance. Um, that comes to mind is uh, um, Sodom and Gomorrah with Abraham oh. and and yep. his conversation with with Yahweh. Yeah, um, you know where he's going to go in and destroy. And Abraham says, "Well, if there's a hundred faithful men, um, will you save the city? Yes, if there's a hundred faithful men. If yeah. there's ninety, then then yes, I'll do that." And it seems like there's there's God's changing his course of action. He's going to go. Sure. going to destroy these cities. Yeah, um, but it seems like with Abraham's prompting, he's changing God's mind. Yeah, here's another one. Um, since we're talking, let's let's just give a few examples and then talk about what's going on with these. Because yep. you're right, they do seem to teach something that could be construed and has been construed by some as contradictory to what we're saying. Yeah. Um, or what we believe Scripture's saying. Um, in Genesis 6, verse 5, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. Um, So what's going on there that God regrets? Mm -hmm. Um, Exodus 32, uh, God is going to destroy the people of Israel. They have, he hasn't even, he's just freshly minted the Ten Commandments on the stone. And Moses, on his way down, the people are rebelling, committing idolatry, golden calf incident. Um, And in Exodus 32, verse 9, the Lord said to Moses, I've seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them in order that I may make a great nation of you. But Moses implored the Lord his God and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say, with evil intent did he bring them out, to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants to whom you swore by yourself, uh, and said to them, I will multiply your offspring. And the Lord relented. Mm -hmm. He relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing on his people. Jonah, right? Mm-hmm. He goes into the city, and what's his message? Repent. Yeah, 40 days. Nineveh's going to be overthrown. Yeah. 40 days. And you're right, repentance is implied in that message. Yeah. In 40 days, your city's going down. God's going to destroy you. 
that's all he says. He doesn't want to give him anything more to work with because he's a reluctant prophet. Um, but they got the implied message, and they did repent, and God did not wipe out their city in 40 mm-hmm. days. It'd be another 100 years before they turned away from their repentance, mm-hmm. and then God brought judgment. And that's what, um, that's what the book of Nahum's about. First uh, Samuel 15, just throwing out one more, Saul. Um, the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king, mm-hmm. and he ended up going with David. Mm-hmm. So what is going on there? Does, does God change his mind? Well, um, we saw in Numbers 23 that it says, the Lord is not like man that he should change his mind. Right. He doesn't lie. Um, so either scripture is contradicting itself about God, um, or there's something else. Given those two options, what would you, what direction do you think we should probably be thinking? <laughs> I'm going to go with number two, Rick. Yeah. You gotta be, there's got to be some explanation, and you're right. So here's the situation in each one of those things. Um, from, so God does respond to the events of history. Mm-hmm. Not in a way like open theism says that... Um, that like he doesn't know what's going to happen, then it happens. He's like, oh no, right. what will I do? Right. I must respond. But in the sense of, he, while he is the unchanging, eternal, holy one, one of the things that we see about him, and it's put in language that we can understand, is that he actually does, um, in some sense, have emotion. Um, and that doesn't mean... There's, a, there's another perfection of God that sometimes gets brought into the discussion here, and it's called the impassibility of God. Does God have passions? And and if if the question is, does God have passions, changing passions like us? No. No, he doesn't. He's impassable. However, his holy, righteous perfection is expressed toward real things that happen. All things which happen by his decree, mm-hmm. right? Because he has, as the as the Westminster Confession says, as the London Baptist Confession says, as Scripture says from one side to the other, um, he has eternally ordained all things that come to pass. Mm-hmm. And so he's not taken by surprise, taken surprised by anything. And yet, when when the inclinations of man's heart are evil all the time, of course God is grieved by that. Ephesians 4 tells us, let's not, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, right? So we can grieve God. Right. That doesn't mean that he's suffering on our account or that he's changed by us, but his righteousness is responding to us because he is, he is good. Right. Well, there is a situation, like take the Israelites in Exodus 32. Um, God declares that he's going to wipe them out and he would, he will, he said it, but there is a change in the circumstance. Mm-hmm. And what changes? Moses prays. Moses intercedes. Moses stands in the gap for the people. And it's true. If Moses had not, if, if the situation remained unchanged, rebellious Israel with no intercessor, they'd be done. And the Lord would have started over with Moses. But God responds to something he ordained which is Moses interceding. Hmm. And it's not that God lied. It's not that God changed his mind. It's that God's purpose is is now working with the different circumstance. Mm-hmm. Same with Nineveh. And Nineveh would have been overthrown in 40 days. What changed? Jonah. Well, 
I mean, he preached, he and preached. what changed? Because Jonah didn't want anything to change. Well, they repented. <laughs> they repented, right? right? That's a change in circumstance. Right. It is no longer the situation as it was that God had decreed would be overthrown. The, the, the repentance brought about a change in direction, mm. which God had purposed and ordained. The same with Saul. Same with, you know. So these passages, the way we best understand that is that according to the change of circumstances, um, God responds. And it's not in contrast to what he said. It's not a change in who he is, his character, his perfection, his being. The unchangeable God purposed those circumstances to change, and his eternal purpose was carried out. Hmm. So an, another thing that would come to mind is if God doesn't change, if God is immutable, is, is immutable. Uh, how do we take on this idea that God became flesh? Right. It, it would seem that would seem kind of contradictory at that point too. Is that that God, the immutable one, took on flesh, which seems like he's changed like a really big change, like a, a huge change. Right. W- what do we do with that? Yeah. What do we do with that? <laughs> I don't like it when you ask what those questions back at me. Hey, man. Just a couple guys talking. We were watching Pirates of the Caribbean uh, as a family and getting ready for the, this Disneyland trip we're taking. And uh, the kids hadn't seen it before. And in the third movie, the goddess Calypso gets um, entrapped in human form. And, okay. they, and then for whatever, I forget exactly what reason, they decide to set her free. And then all hell breaks loose. Um, or the sea. <laughs> and and I was like, oh, that's a change in Calypso, right? She changed from one form to another. Because she, in her essence, became entrapped in human. And then her mm-hmm. essence was released. That's not what's going on in the incarnation. Mm-hmm. Um, God, in his unchangeable perfection, his unchangeable nature, his omniscience, his omnipresence, his all his unchangeable simplicity. Mm-hmm. That doesn't get affected one whit by the incarnation. Hmm. Um, and that's kind of what we talked about last week a little bit. The incarnation was not a change in God in any way, shape, or form. It was the addition of a human nature in union with the divine son. Yeah. So the unchanging second person of the Trinity yeah. takes to himself a human nature. This is, an, and we've talked about this on the podcast a few times. It's an addition. It's not a subtraction or a multiplication, a division, or a change. Um, I think it's the Chalcedonian definition, or maybe the Athanasian Creed, I, I'm forgetting, that talks about um, when Christ took on that human nature, um, the divine, it, it did not mix. His two natures did not mix. They were not confused. They, were, they could not be divided. Mm-hmm. They were not altered. Um, something, the only thing that, was, that became true that hadn't been there before was now the Son of God in his divinity is united to a full human nature. Mm-hmm. And this is the mystery. Yeah. Um, so the incarnation, while on the surface, it's a good question. It's really, and we have to ask it, how does this fit with the unchangeableness of God? Um, his divinity never changed. Mm-hmm. He now experienced humanity. And this is actually a really important thing for us to understand because one of the most popular misunderstandings, which actually does 
do damage to the immutability of God is people will say that when Jesus emptied himself in Philippians 2, that he was losing something, that he voluntarily disassociated himself with attributes like omnipresence or omniscience where he knows everything or, um, you know, infinity. But the reality is no. When we And beyond. And beyond. Oh. And yeah, and beyond any of the other ones that people say. Sorry. Sorry. Off track, sorry. (laughs) But that's yeah, so but that's the crazy thing about it. And I love to think about this at Christmas time, especially. Mm -hmm. Um, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Mm -hmm. So Jesus, baby Jesus, who is an infant human, knows all things. Mm is everywhere because God is omnipresent and the the unchangeable son of God is omnipresent Mm. even as in regard to his humanity he is right there Mm. in a in a manger Mm. the infinity and the finite you know the infinite and the finite united in this in this in the second person of the Godhead well and and going off that it's so complex. It's such a mystery mm-hmm. that, um, that it's so many heresies have stemmed off of that very, that very idea because we yeah. have, as humans, we feel like we have to explain something that seems like it's just so contradictory. Yeah. And so, so many heresies have stemmed from that very truth of we have the infinite taking on the finite yeah, and the immutable one taking on flesh. Like, yeah. While never, ever changing yeah. his divine nature. Yeah. And that's why, that's actually, that's why these kind of conversations are so important mm-hmm. and why being precise with the scriptures is so important. Um, I'm, I'm sure, not that I was there for it, but I'm sure the origination of some of these heresies were done in good faith. Yeah. Right. And yet they have profound eternal implications. Right. Like, I, you know, I know that you really meant well when you, <clears throat> Arius, when you said that the son of God was a created being, mm-hmm. um, and but Arius is not We're not going to see him in heaven. Mm. He doubled down Mm -hmm. in the face of the evidence of Scripture when it was brought to his attention Mm -hmm. and to his eternal damnation. I mean, these are serious things, but that's why having these conversations is so important and Mm -hmm. so good and why the church continues to struggle and wrestle together to understand it and why we are so grateful that God has given us the word. Yeah. Well, and and it draws our hearts to, hopefully, it draws our hearts to worship. You know, growing up, uh, going to church during Christmas time was, you know, so sweet little baby Jesus in a manger, which is true. Like, <laughs> yeah. obviously, he, yeah. he was he was the most wonderful time of the year, a human. Um, but when you start when you start mining the depths of what we're talking about right now, Christmas becomes so much more than just sweet little baby Jesus. Oh yeah, in a manger. Uh, yeah, I've I love Christmas like always have, so magical yeah. right of a season, and yet it's not. It's been the most profound and sweet to me, maybe in the last five, six, seven, eight years. That's because I've been here, right? I didn't want to. Yeah, I didn't want to distract us from the point. Okay, but that's that's exactly. <laughs> Sorry, I, that's twice. The, that's one twice of the in a row. Reasons that. Um, yeah. Anyways, why has it been so sweet to you for the last five? Well, meditating years? on these things. Yeah. Delving deeper into these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Watching the movie Saving Christmas during those seasons is your favorite movie it is 
not my favorite movie. But it's not uh, not. Because not, I haven't seen it. Yes, you have. I have not. Oh, you will this year. I have not seen it. You got to return one of the other movies I lent you and you're going to watch. Even if I have to come up into your office and we'll watch it together. That's not what you're we gonna do, love it. by the way. No, we don't. We Actually, that's a good clarification. We do not do that. Just only at Christmas time, apparently. Has anybody written any questions in to the podcast from the last week? No, that's that's well, great... that's shame on them, uh, shame on you, listener. Mm-hmm. Um, but now we can get one. Do you guys watch movies at the office? What do you do all week? Never heard that one before. Maybe we do a podcast on how we actually do work. Yeah, that's a good that's a good question, Rick. What what do you do? What do you do? <laughs> Always asked with the the most pandering tone and authentic curiosity. <laughs> Uh, so Rick, um, we'll, we'll finish out with this question here. Yeah, please do. Um, how does the immutability of God, uh, give believers assurance? How does it give believers assurance? Oh, so think about people who are victims of chronic abuse, emotional abuse, psychological abuse, alcoholic home abuse Mm -hmm. they never know am i coming home or when you know when dad comes home or mom comes home which mom's coming home which dad's coming home is it the sweet loving dad who put a few beers down before you know before he came home or is it is it the dad who's agitated Mm -hmm. because things aren't going the way he wants and he hasn't you know drunk himself into oblivion yet Mm -hmm. and he's gonna beat me or whatever we never ever have to wonder which God are we going to get today. Mm-hmm. We have an unchangeable God whose eternal purposes are put to us in Ephesians 1 as in love he predestined us for adoption as sons. Mm-hmm. He chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, right? So we have a God whose declaration for us, whose purpose for us, which is unchanging, is always ever only love. Mm-hmm as his children. And it cannot be any other way. Mm -hmm. In fact, a hundred years after Israel came back from their captivity in Babylon, and they were getting back into the old sins, the ones that kind of landed them in exile in the first place. Yeah. One of the last, within the last two chapters of the Old Testament, Malachi 3, God says, for I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. They had, they had grounds to be consumed by God's wrath. They had certainly deserved it, as we do. Um, however, because God does not change, and his purpose was love toward Israel, they were not destroyed. Yeah. And the same is true for us. Yeah. Whatever, it, whatever we do in our changeability, whatever sins we end up committing, um, short of apostasy, which even that in the unchangeable purpose of God absolutely none of God's redeemed children in Christ will ever apostatize. Yeah. So my point is that we we have such sweet comfort because his purposes can't change. Therefore, we never have to wonder if from one day to the next, God's going to be um, treating us the way our sins deserve. Right. No, he always ever loves us. And even in his discipline, He's loving us and calling us to repentance and to mm-hmm. fellowship and, and restoration and into the sweet green pastures that the psalmist is talking about in Psalm 23. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's such a great, great assurance. Because um, I know that 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 can be a struggle, right? Is does God love me less because I did X, Y, and Z? And the answer is no. He cannot love you less yes. because he cannot change. Yep. Which is such Spot a on. which is such a great reminder and assurance. Yeah. Talk about our practical doctrine. Yeah. So good. Mm-hmm. So good. Which should draw our hearts to worship him. Yeah. And maybe some listeners are going like I, you know, before today, I didn't even know that there was a word called immutability. Mm-hmm. And and certainly what difference does it make? I've gotten by this long without it. And I say, yeah, but at what cost? So now that you know, how much sweeter is your fellowship with God and how much more assured are you going to be that he is good toward you, yeah. not just in general, but toward you yeah. and all because of what he can't change. And he's determined eternally to bless you yeah. chiefly and all of it through Christ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. That's really good. Well, thanks, Rick. Thanks for mining the depths of the immutability of God. Mm. Um, wow. We we still this have is what a we long call scratching the surface. We, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> still have a long ways to go, but no, that's good. That's a good um, point of reference, and when we're discussing the immutability of God. Church, uh, as Rick mentioned a few moments ago. We are uh, here to answer any questions that might come to your your brains as you're listening to the podcast or as you're going through life. Um, so if you have any questions that you would like Pastor Rick or Pastor John to to answer, uh, make or sure... Pastor Jeremy. Um, Pastor Rick or Pastor John, make sure that you send those questions to me at jeremy.pinch at sunvalleychart.com. Sunvalleychurch.org. Jeremy.pinch at sunvalleychurch.org. And we will spend uh, about eight weeks answering those questions for you. So Toward the end of the year. That, and, that, that and that's literally, literally the agenda. It literally means you have to send in questions, yeah. even if they're fake, even if it's Rick. Um, sending those questions in. Uh, like, what do you do at your job, Rick? Um <laughs> I'm excited to hear how you answer that. Church, we love you. I am too. I really am. (laughs) We love you. We love you for the third time. Uh, We We really do. We look forward to being with you next week on Voice of the Valley. Have a great week.